Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Y'all ready to get into the Word? Amen. We're going to slow down a little bit. We're just going to slow down a little bit. I believe we're going to be in this for a while. Next week we may do something a little different. We've got a baby dedication, but as far as me preaching, I believe I'm going to be in this a while, and I believe I've heard from the Lord just to slow down a little bit and um, spend a little more time in this. Amen? So we're talking about faith. So we're talking about last week, the week before, and for several weeks. And we're going to be back in it again this morning, and I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn to uh, Matthew, the ninth chapter, starting at the 18th verse. And if you don't have your Bible, they will put it on the screen for you there. Now, Jesus is um, teaching here, and then um, in the 18th verse, where we'll pick up, it says, while he spoke. So he was, he was still speaking these things. He was speaking the Word. He was talking about old garments on new garments, and not pouring new wine into old wineskins. And um, he said, you know, it's not the, the healed who needs the physician, but the sick. And while he was still speaking... It says, Behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come lay your hand on her and she will live. 19th verse, I'm going to read on. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, your uh, daughter. Your faith has, you, has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players in the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. They laughed. They made fun. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went into all the land. Now, let's just stop right there for a moment. And um, I want to go back to the 22nd verse, if you don't mind there. It says, Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And I want you to take a hold of that. That your faith has made you well. That's what he told her. Is that what he told her? That it is. We're all reading it together. He said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Now, if her faith made her well, then my faith can make me well. And if her faith made her well, then your faith can make you well. You got one Amen. Well, that's the truth. It's the Word of God. We're just reading it together, that's all. Her faith made her well. That's what Jesus said. He said, your faith. He turned around and said, your faith has made you well. There's a lot of other people around, but nobody else is getting well. I mean, in this story here, nobody else. he wasn't talking to nobody else. He was walking down through a crowd. You go read in, in Mark how it tells how crowded it was. It was crowded. He was having to make his way through the crowd. She's the only one that he turned around and said, your faith has made you well. She had something they didn't have. Amen. That's the kind of faith I want to have. That's the kind of faith that you should want to have. Now, but I just want you to take note of that. If you're a note taker, that's important. Your faith has made you well. Now we'll pick back up where I had left off in the 27th verse. When Jesus departed from there, Two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. You reckon they heard something? 
Maybe they heard that the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years had been healed. Not only that, but the man's daughter, who he said was dead now, was up walking around and running and playing with the other kids. She was 12 years old. Have mercy on us. In 28th, when he had come into their house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. That's very important. According to your faith, let it be to you. They said, Yeah, we believe you can do it. And he said, Okay, well, according to your faith, let it be to you. Well, according to my faith, let it be to me. And according to your faith, let it be to you. You have to put your, implement yourself into the story. Do you believe? According to your faith. Let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it now. Sometimes He told them not to go tell anybody. And sometimes He said, Go show yourself to the priest. Say, Well, what should I do? Should I tell people or should I keep it quiet? Well, you just do whatever He tells you to do. Man, that's so dang quiet in here. Get a good night's sleep. All this quietness. Amen. Praise the Lord. He says, be, let it be according to your faith. Now, um, let's just, if we're right there in Matthew, and we've, we've read this, let's uh, slip, flip over to Mark, the ninth chapter, and we will pick up in the 14th verse. Mark 9 and 14. Now Jesus, um, in the 14th verse, when He came to the disciples, and that He there, that's Jesus, He saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw Him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to Him, greeted Him. And He asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who was a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foamed at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. They tried. Now they had obviously been having some success or he wouldn't have brought them to him. They've been going around casting out some spirits and laying some hands on some people and doing some things. And he answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, uh, in the 21st, so he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. I actually find that verse to be kind of, uh, it's kind of funny to me, to be honest with you. Because he says he brought him to, the, to, to him and immediately he convulsed and he threw him on the ground. He starts foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said, well, how long has this been happening to him? Now we'd have been freaked out. What in the world is going on here? Dear heavens, call a doctor, call a, the, the ambulance. And Jesus just says, well, uh, how, so how long has this been going on? And um, well, he knew what he seeks to handle the situation, didn't he? 21st, let's see, 22nd verse. He said, from childhood and often has thrown him both into a fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I'll underline, underline that in your Bible or make a note of that in the 22nd verse. But if you can do anything. See, he puts it on Jesus. He says, but if you can do anything. Can you do anything? That's what he's saying. Your disciples couldn't do anything. I brought, him, I brought this, my son, to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. But if you can do anything, but if you can do anything. And Jesus said to him, now here's his answer, here's his reply in the 23rd verse. Here's his, here's his reply. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now he is trying to put it on Jesus saying, if, if you can do anything, they couldn't do anything, but if you can do anything. And Jesus says, if I can do anything, no, all things are possible to him who believes. He put it back on him. 
Well, put yourself in the story. Now, you have to understand, we know Jesus is the Messiah. We know He went to the cross. We know He went and died for us. We're on this side of it 2,000 years later. This man just sees a bunch of disciples, and then he sees Jesus, who he probably thinks is just a good man, a teacher, a prophet or something. He doesn't know He's the Messiah. He just sees Him as a man. And he says, if you can do anything, and Jesus says, if you can do, if you can believe. In other words, if I can do anything, no. If you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. Well, that same thing applies to you and me. If we can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The problem lies with the believing part. Amen. I know we say we believe, but there's a lot of things in my life that I don't see coming to pass that I'd love to see coming to pass. And I can tell you right now, the problem is not with God. If there's a problem, it's on Red's end. Yeah. Immediately the father of the child, this is picking back up 24th verse, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him, enter him no more. The spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him and became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why can we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind can only come out by fasting and prayer, and we'll stop right there. This kind of what can come out? Do you think they went up, that Jesus went up and said, Well, this here is a class, a level two demon. So the prescription is you're going to have to go fast for four days and pray. And come back. No, this kind of doubt comes out with prayer and fasting. This type of unbelief comes out with prayer and fasting. Jesus never went up to anybody and said, Ooh, hold up now. I'll be back in about two days, three days. I'm going to have to go over here and pray and fast and I'll come back. No, it's actually a lifestyle, a lifestyle that you live, a life of prayer and fasting. And, boy, there's a lot of things we can be fasting. I say, number one, social media. Amen to that. It's 99% bad, 1% good. Um, But in in, in these two instances right here, the, the, the blind man came and he said, if you believe. And then when this man brings his son right here in the book of Mark, he says, all things are possible. Who believes? In other words, he put it back on them. He put it back on them. Now, that, that's what Jesus said. He said, it's possible if you believe. Now, somehow in churches every, every week it's preached and the, just a common belief around most Christians and most people in general is that God just does what He wants to do. He'll heal you if He wants to do, heal you. You just never know what God's going to do. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll find out what God's will is. When are you going to find out God's will? After he does it or after he doesn't do it? I'll be like, well, I guess I'll find out if it's God's will for me to be saved when I die. It'll be too late then. You better know his will now. His will is none shall perish, but have everlasting life. That means his will is for you to go to heaven, no doubt. We need to know that on this side, not on that side. You'll know it on that side. There won't be any doubt. Amen. But somehow we've got over into that, and I just want to take some time, and um, I don't want there to be a hint or a trace or any little bit of residue, any little speck or inkling of doubt of what God's will is, and if it's His will for you to be provided for, if it's His will for you to be sick, if it's His will what His will is, if it's mysterious, the mysterious will of God, you just never know how these things are going to turn out. That's all lies. It's not mysterious. It, it, it's actually real simple. He gave us this instruction manual right here. And in this instruction manual, there are pages and pages that tells you what God's will is. God's will is in this book. His Word is His will. And when you get into His Word, you'll find out what His will is. And that's when faith comes. Because faith doesn't come until you know His will. See, faith to, to, to get saved came when you found out what His will was. His will, He sent His only begotten Son. 
His will was you not to perish, but to have everlasting life. That's His will. Faith came. Faith begins when you know His will. And we need to, just because you have faith in one area doesn't mean you have faith in other areas. People say, oh, my faith's real high. My faith's real high in what? In which area? Just because your faith's real high in healing, maybe your faith's not real high in provision. I know these, I've experienced, I've lived these things before. I noticed that my faith uh, seems to be stronger in the areas I'm studying. And sometimes I get away from certain areas, just like I was a little angry at myself last week and I was talking about going to the cabinet taking the Advil migraine. Now, there's nothing wrong with you going to the cabinet taking the Advil. You go take all you want. I was upset with Red. Red was upset with Red because when I would have a headache, instead of going to the Word or proclaiming the Word or reminding the devil who I am, and ha- this, I'm in control of this. This is mine. This is my body. I decide what comes in on this body and what doesn't. And I do it based off the Word of God. But instead of doing that, it was, I just got into a habit of going over here and opening up the pantry and getting and just going on, getting the Advil out and going about my business. And, I, and some time had went by until all of a sudden, hello, what in the world are we doing here? I wasn't even depending on the Lord at all for anything. I was, I, I'd put my faith in the Advil. That's what I had done. So that's why I was angry. I know better than that. I mean... Advil's good. Go to the dentist, let them snatch one of your teeth out. You'll be glad you had a couple of them. Amen. So in other words, I don't want anybody to mistake uh, or take that the wrong way and say, oh, we can't take Advil or Reds against doctors. No. You know, most of y'all know I broke my arm real bad back in July. and I mean, it was nasty. And they, a big plate from here to here, two plates, actually 13 screws later, and they got it all put back together. I was real happy. I was real thankful for that doctor who did that. Thank you, Jesus, for him who who did that. But um, there's good and bad doctors. There's good and bad doctors. There's doctors that murder babies. They're not good. So faith begins when God's will is known. Now let me get sidetracked and take a rabbit trail here. Faith begins when God's will is known. So I want us to know what God's will is. To know what God's will is. And not to go through life wondering what God's will is in this area, what it is in that area. And the kind of faith that I'm talking about, it is very, very precious. It is very precious. In fact, in... Uh, first Peter, you ain't got to put this up there. First Peter, the first chapter, the seventh verse, if I'm not mistaken, it says that that faith is precious, more precious than gold that's refined by fire. But your faith, guess what? It's going to be tested the same way as that gold is put to fire. Your, your faith can be put to the fire as well because things are going to happen in life that's going to put your faith to the fire. But it says it's more precious than gold. That tells me faith is very precious. The kind of faith that he's referring to is more precious than gold. That tells me there's really not a lot of it. It's a very small percentage of the faith I'm talking about. Very, very, very small percentage. And the people that do have the faith that I'm talking about, people make fun of them. Say, what do you think? You, who do you think you are? Who, what, you think you're Jesus? No, I don't think I'm Jesus. But... By all means, let's try to imitate Him because the Word of God says to be imitators of Christ. Do you have any other suggestions of who we should be imitating? You want to go around talking like Jesus, praying like Jesus? Do you think you're something? Well, He told us to do that. He told us to do it. Yeah, but He's God. No, go read Philippians. It says He came and He emptied Himself out of all His glory and He walked around on this earth as a man just like you and me. If He didn't, we couldn't relate to Him. It's like stirring up a bunch of ants. I can't relate to them. They can't relate to me. But I could become an ant and I could get in there and crawl around with them. Now we can relate to each other. That's what Jesus did. He became an ant got down here and crawled around with us and said, hey, let me show you how to build an ant bed back. Or whatever. In other words, He became a man. He didn't walk around doing something that you and I can't do. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of each every, every one of us. Now, he didn't go around doing miracles until the Spirit came upon him. You know, it says in John, John's out there and he said, Behold, he stopped what he, stopped what he was doing and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Wow. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. Then he baptized him and the Spirit descended, descended down on him and sat on him like a dove. 
Then he went out to the wilderness. And then you see him doing miracles. You know what? The, the, the Spirit gave him the power to go around and do what he did. And guess what? That same Spirit dwells on the inside of each and every one of us. It's on, it's on the inside of you. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it's here. It's on the inside of every believer. Amen. And he didn't do any miracles until then. And this don't have much to do with anything, but I'm just going to throw this out there because it just came to me. Some people say, well, Jesus, he, uh, he healed a little bird when he was 12 or some stupid stuff like that. No, he didn't. He stretched some wood. No, he didn't. I've heard all these things. One of my guys that works for me tells me about all the things Jesus did as a child and that he got some bird off the playground and prayed for it and the bird, he healed the bird. It was a miracle. And his daddy built something that was too short and Jesus stretched the wood out. That's a miracle. Now, because the Bible says the first miracle was done with turning the water into wine and that's the first miracle. Period. Anything else, you read's a lie. If it wasn't the first miracle, the Bible wouldn't say it's the first miracle. And if you're not going to believe that part, you may as well not believe the rest of it. But anyway, let's move on. All right, so we're not going to tolerate anything less than what the Word of God says. You've got to make your mind up on that. and You're just not going to tolerate it. So as I was walking up to the ball game yesterday, I was thinking in my mind and talking to my wife. And... Um, Right here in Romans, the twelfth chapter, the second verse, I was we were talking about this scripture. And that's a good thing to talk to your wife about or your husband about. Scripture. I mean, there's a lot of things you can talk about. But I'd say this is probably the most important right here. And we're talking about Romans twelfth chapter, second verse. It says and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now that tells us right there that uh, everything is not the perfect will of God. Everything that happens on this earth is not the perfect will of God. That's why you got to have your mind renewed and prove what's the good and perfect, acceptable, the perfect will of God. Well, that's just the will of God or you never know the will of God. Or maybe it is, or maybe it didn't. You hear all these things. You know what? Everything's not the will of God. I heard on TV the other day, um, I don't even remember what show it was, but this was a, a real life thing, and he goes, everything happens for a reason. And I was thinking, it does. You're exactly right. Everything does happen for a reason. But what he was saying is, everything happens for a reason, and God made it happen. Not true. Everything does happen for a reason. If you're driving down the road and you're not paying attention and you run off in the ditch and you crash, it happened for a reason. You weren't paying attention and you run off the road. should have got off the phone and got your eyes on the, on the highway. But somebody else said, well, you just never know what God's going to do. I got a friend of mine who lives in Tennessee. His, his house burnt to the ground. Burnt to the ground. He lost everything. And he got on Facebook and goes, yeah, you just don't ever know God's will, what his plan is. What? His plan is not to burn your house down. People think that. They put it off on God, just like the Scriptures we said, if you can do anything, by all means, don't put anything on me. I don't need, I mean, me have faith? No, just whatever God's will is, you know, it's just going to happen. God's will doesn't always happen. It's not God's will for anybody to go to hell. Just think about it. Even if you don't know any word at all, and you're just completely dumb to the Word. Let's think about this now. Let's just make it element kindergarten. God loved you so much that He sent His Son to go to a cross and die for you. Didn't He? Now, why in the world would He send His Son to go to a cross and die for you and withhold a little healing from the flu or from diabetes? Why would he withhold your house payment for this month? Does any of that compare to giving up your child? I'd give anything I've got and everything I've got in my own life before I'd ever give up any of my children. Take it all. Nothing compares to that. That's common sense. Now you think God would give his son and withhold anything else from Well, you don't ever know what his will is. Get a clue. (laughs) 
Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Anyway, I was thinking this as we were walking. Don't be conformed to the patterns, to the patterns of this world. And I was thinking, you know what? The first step in uh, conformity is to being conformed to the patterns of this world. The first step is tolerance. Is tolerance. You can just look at it from a natural standpoint and say, are you sitting in front of the TV? There's things I don't like. The things that come off there that I don't, they, they, they enter into my ears. I don't like them, so I change the channel. Or you can say, well, it's just a few cuss words. Well, they just dropped the F-bomb a couple times. They just took the Lord's name in vain a few times. And you just tolerate it, tolerate it. And you tolerate a little more, and you tolerate a little more. That's the first step to conformity, to being conformed to the patterns of this world, is tolerance. You can't tolerate it. You cannot tolerate it. You just got to say, no, I'm not going to tolerate it. Because next thing you know, you were here, and now you're way over there towards Aunt Nancy's house somewhere, and you're wondering how you got there. I can tell you, let's go back to where it started, where you tolerated it. Next thing you know, you're conformed to the patterns of this world. And it's not a big deal. Well, I couldn't even go to the movies if I... If I didn't listen to a little cussing, well, don't go. You know what? If, if all the Christians in this entire world just said, I'm not going to the movies anymore if you keep cussing, they'd have to take cussing out because there wouldn't be enough people to support the films. But we're just going to tolerate it. It's just a little bit. Well, the same thing happens over in the spiritual. We're just going to tolerate it a little bit. Well, I'm just a little sick. Well, I just got a little limp. Well, I'm mostly good. No, Jesus didn't go there and cross and die for you for you to mostly halfway partly get it. No, don't tolerate it. I don't want to tolerate it. Like I, I'm done tolerating. Like I don't want to tolerate no headache. I don't want to tolerate no bad back. I don't want to tolerate no bad report. from. I don't want to tolerate it. I just want to tolerate what, I just want to be my niner and you to what this word right here says and to not tolerate it. And so we get into the whole, whole I'm, I'm, I'm making a point here about the whole will of God. Well, you just don't ever know. Have y'all not ever heard that? I know you have because you've prayed it before. I'd say about everybody in this room at some point in your life prayed, Father, I'm praying for this healing, but I just pray that your will be done. Amen. Somebody come down there. I went to see my buddy who had broke his neck. And uh, I was there and the guy came in and he prayed for him. He said, well, Lord, just give him a peace and give him strength. And we just pray that your will be done. Amen. That guy left. I didn't say a word. That guy left and I said, I'm fixing to pray for you. That right there didn't do nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. That did nothing. What that guy means is no faith required here. God, it's on you. Go back to the scriptures we just read. If you can believe all things are possible, right? Your faith made you whole. Anyway, we prayed for that broke neck of his and prayed with a little faith. But, uh, I, we're, you know, talking about living in the darkness here, let's, 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 let's get out of the darkness and get into the light. Let's get into Ephesians right here real quick, the fifth chapter. And we're going to have to move along. Uh, fifth chapter in the eighth verse. It says, Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Well, that's me and you. We were once walking around in the darkness, but now we're, we're in the light. Amen? Some light's been shed on some things. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Tenth verse, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. There's another scripture backing up what we're talking about. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's stop right there. This light right here that he's referring to, light's a revelation of the will of God. This light is the revelation of the will of God. You want to know what God's will is? This light's going to shed some light on it for you. So you'll know what God's will is. And you'll know who He is. Okay, um, let's, let's pick back up our 15th. So then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Here, let me make it plain for you. Don't be an idiot. Don't walk around like some kind of goofball. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't walk around going, well, I just don't know what the will of the Lord is. Well, you ought to know what the will of the Lord is. It's in this book right here. And we need to get in the book and find out what the will is. Don't walk around saying, I don't know what His will is. Amen. Um, And people say, well, you just can't really know what the will of the Lord is. Well, you just can't really know. Well, that's contrary to what the Bible says, because the Bible says you can know. Amen. The Bible says you can know. And not to walk around uh, unwise, but to understand the will. And His will is found in the Word of God. Let me tell you, His will is always going to be found in the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. His will is found in the Word and by the Spirit. Um, people, we take the Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and we talk about faith to move a mountain. Because He says you can have faith in God, and He says you can move the mountain. He says believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That you can tell the mountain to be moved and it will be removed. And believe that you receive these things and you'll have them. To believe that you receive them and you'll have them after these things take place. Well, Here's one thing that I think I've noticed in my life is um, we, talk, we, start, we try to move the mountain too quick. Try to move the mountain too quick. What do you mean? Well, you may not ever hear a preacher say this until today. But I think sometimes we pray too quick. Pray too quick. Say, so what in the world are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about is praying in unbelief. Praying in unbelief. You know why I don't have an altar call every Sunday? Because I told the Lord four years ago, I don't know when to have an altar call, but you do. I don't know when somebody needs to get saved, but you do. Now, these altars are definitely open every single Sunday. You can come up here during the, 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 the praise and worship. You can come up here at the end of the service, whatever you need. The altars are open. But I, I depend on the Lord to tell me when to have an altar call. Now, do I always get it right? Well, no, I miss it. I'm sure I've missed it. I'm sure I've had altar calls when I shouldn't. I'm sure I probably didn't have them when I should have. Just like last week, for instance, I was fixing the clothes. I saw a girl with blonde hair, no face, but I did see a female with blonde hair that was ready to get saved. I felt a pull, a tug in a direction, a certain direction. And uh, when I gave the opportunity, I looked that way and bam, there she was. And you're talking about exciting for me. That's exciting. I mean, you see the hair color, that's pretty exciting. But the reason we don't do the, the reason we don't do that is have altar calls all the time is because of praying in unbelief. People aren't ready. They're not. They don't believe yet. Just like the scriptures we just read. Do you believe? Do you believe? Because all things are possible if you believe. And by your faith, you've been a whole lot. People aren't ready. They aren't ready. And it's just a prayer that doesn't even get off the ground. Amen. Or oh me. Either way you want to look at it. Prayer and unbelief doesn't get anything done. And here's what happens when you don't know what God's will is and you don't have faith and you're just praying and nothing happened. And then you pray again and nothing happens. And then you pray again and nothing happens. And you've prayed 12 or 13 or 14 times and nothing happens. What happens when you pray the 15th time? You ain't, you've got bad expectations. You said, you're, ex, you're not expecting anything. I've already prayed 15 times and nothing happened. So what's going to make it different on the 16th time? Well... He says all things are possible him who believe. And if you believe in your heart, confess your mouth, it's all talking about faith, 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 faith. Well, I want some. If, we, if that's what we need, we need to know how we can get some. Amen? Oh, yeah, you've all been given a measure of faith that we couldn't have got saved. Now, I'm talking about faith for healing. I'm talking about faith for provision. I'm talking about faith to speak to a mountain and it, and it moves. I saw a little interview last night, and I became an instant fan of this boxer. Um, it was impressive, the interview was. Now, I, he, he, I already knew that he won, and I don't even know how I got on the interview, but I watched it. And uh, it was a guy from Birmingham, Alabama here, who's a heavyweight champion. He was fighting a guy, I think, from uh, the U.K., and uh, they're both giants now. I mean giants, big ones. 
And the guy uh, from the UK, I didn't. I was told that he was a Christian, so I found out how much of a Christian he is. But um, they were talking back and forth with each other, and that guy sitting across from me from Birmingham says, "When you get into the ring, you're not going to be fighting Dante Wilder." And he goes, "I'm not. Who am I going to be fighting?" He goes, well, you're going to be fighting, he named some other God. And he said, uh, it, my ancestry spirit. You may be fighting my ancestry spirit. And the guy from the UK said, I've already won. Because you know why? I know who my Lord and Savior is. He's Jesus Christ. And he gives me the power and he gives me the strength and all that stuff you're talking about. He goes, you've already lost. You've lost the fight. He said, it is absolutely impossible for you to beat me. He said, because if my God's for me, then who can be against me? And anyway, they had to throw the towel in. He beat the fire out of him so bad. Heck yeah, I love it. And I don't even know why I told that story. Oh yeah, talking about faith, knowing who you are. And knowing where your power and knowing where your strength was. He said, you're already defeated. It kind of reminded me of David and Goliath. And in this situation, this guy definitely wasn't the David. Now, he's a big one. He's the bigger of the two. But he still, he, he said, you're losing. It's already, he just got settled right here at this interview because I found out who your God was. He said, I thought we were a lot alike, but I found out, oh, we're worlds apart. Your God and my God is too different. And that guy said with his own mouth, he goes, well, he said, we're going to fight your God. It's going to be your God versus my God. And he said, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Well, it turned out. It didn't turn out good for him. That eye swelled up to about here. Lip, he got tore up. But he had the faith. You know, just like we were reading, you got to approve the good and perfect, acceptable will of the Lord. Speaking of David and life, David said, I can't go out here with this sword and shield. This stuff hasn't been proven. I'm going to go with what has been proven. And you and I, we need to go with what's been proven. The good and perfect, acceptable Will of the Lord. Amen. Y'all wake out there? Just putting you to sleep. Do I need to talk faster and scream louder? I know I'm just teaching this morning, but um, it's 11.30. I told you I was going to give you less. So uh, i got to find a spot to wrap this thing up somewhere. Um, finding God's will and then praying. Finding God's will and then praying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That's where your faith is going to come by is hearing the Word of God. And I said last week it's not going to come from hearing the talk show on the radio. Now there's no, I, said, I said faith's not going to come from listening to Rick and Bubba. Well, it's not. Does that mean Rick and Bubba are bad people? I don't know if they're good or bad. I don't know nothing about them. But I can tell you right now, faith's not going to come from that. How do I know? Because they're not the Word. And the faith only comes one way, and it's by the Word of God, hearing the words of Jesus Christ. So we're hearing the words of God. That's how faith comes. And you can hear it in church on Sunday, or you can sit in church on Sunday and not hear one single thing. You can hear it when you read the Bible at home alone, or you can read it like a history book and not hear a thing. That's fact. How do I know? i got an atheist friend. He said he read the whole Bible and don't believe any of it. Read it, but don't believe it. It's all nonsense and it's silly to him. He read it like a history book. So you can hear, but not hear. You men that's married know exactly what I'm talking about. You hear her over there, but you don't hear her. And then she goes, are you ready to go get your picture taken tomorrow? And you're like, what are you talking about? I told you last Saturday we were getting our pictures taken down there at so-and-so. You did not. Yes, I Well, she, yes, she did. You didn't hear her. You heard her, but you didn't. That's funny, isn't it? That's what you don't hear. But when she says, supper's ready, you hear that. Yeah. How you wash my car? Somebody hear something? Nah, no, I didn't hear nothing. Same way with the word. You can hear and not hear. I know that from experience. I sat in churches a lot of years. In a lot of years, I just heard what I wanted to. I was just always thinking, I hope that guy beside me is listening to this. He needs it. <laughs> uh, y'all laughing because y'all have done it too. You probably somebody did it right now. Let's see here. Romans 
Let's, uh, we got a lot of scriptures written down here. I like to go full circle, but like I say, I think this is just going to be a several week thing there. And what I mean by full circle is, well, not just stop. Let's do this. Let's, uh, Let's get into Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans 10, and in the first verse here, it says, uh, I'm going to read on down for a minute. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God of Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them, but the righteous of faith speaks in this way, and that's me and you now. <clears throat> We're righteous by faith. Not by works. We're not righteous by works. If anybody says you earn your righteousness or you work for your righteousness, run. Run like the wind. That's not the truth. You're righteous by faith. It's the grace of God. Jesus went to the cross. He, he, he got your righteousness for you. He did the work and He earned it for you. And we have faith in the finished work of Christ. Amen. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, and this is the way you and I talk. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. No, because He's already come down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. No, He's already been raised from the dead. And what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, um, the solution right there is not... Uh, trying to bring it down or trying to get it up or trying to run out here or run out there or do something or earn something, the solution is in your heart and in your mouth. It's just right there. It's a lot closer than you think. It's just right there. It's just right there on your tongue. It's just right under your nose. It's called faith. It's in your heart and in your mouth, this word of faith which we preach. Amen. The ninth verse, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why believe? How can you believe? Why do we believe? Why does anybody believe? Because you heard it. You heard it and therefore something happened. And faith began. You believed, didn't you? You found out what the will of God was. Something happened and you believed. But you didn't believe until you heard it. That's why it's important to hear it. You've got to hear it. That's why He tells us to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. So that people will hear it. That's why we come to church every Sunday morning and talk about the Word. So that we can hear it. And hear it. And hear it. And hear it. And keep on hearing it. Amen. You need to hear it. Eleventh verse. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. That means... Uh, um, if you're not if if you're not going to be put to shame, let's see. That means he's not going to let you down. Nobody's going to say, "Look, you there. You believed and it didn't work." He's not going to let you down. It says, "If the Scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, he's not going to let you down." Now you say, "Well, he has let me down before." No, he hasn't. He has not let you down before. He has never let you down before. If you've been let down, you've been let down by something else, you've been let down by yourself, or you put faith in your own faith, or there's a whole list and a host of things we can list here, but God's never let you down. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He has not let you down. He hasn't let you down. She said, I prayed ten times, nothing happened. He let me down. I know a guy that was in church and in ministry, but things didn't work out for him in a business deal, but it was going to make him rich overnight or some junk like that. And he said, God let me down, and I'm just going to stay saved because I want to go to heaven, but I'm not going to church anymore, and I'm not reading my Bible anymore, and I'm not praying anymore, and I'm not doing anything anymore because he let me down, and I'm mad at him. And to this day, I think he's still mad at him because he still thinks God let him down. He's wrong. He's wrong. 
I thought God let me down before, and I've asked him, why'd you let me down? I've, I've, I've yelled out loud, top of my voice, are you happy now? I even looked up at the sky, like I got to look up there when he's all around you. But I said, are you happy now? Are you happy now? Well, no, he wasn't happy. Things didn't work out the way he wanted them to work out. If there was something wrong, you can guarantee it was wrong on my end, on the faith end of this thing. Because if he did let you down, then we may as well just go and rip this page on out of the Bible. Twelfth verse. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then shall you call on him? Whom they not have believed, and how shall they believe in him if they haven't heard? Well, of course you couldn't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? We just we just went over that. Uh, and you're not going to call on him if you don't believe. You're not going to call on him if you don't believe. Are you going to call on somebody if you don't believe? You going to call on somebody to come help you if you don't believe they'll help you? A guy that don't have a lawnmower, don't have a truck, don't have a trailer, you're going to call and ask him if he'll get in his truck, hook his trailer up, load his lawnmower, and come over and cut your grass? Why, no. Would you call on me to come and do uh, brain surgery on you? I'd be a good surgeon. I, I should have been one. Um, I believe I could put some legs and bones and stuff back together pretty good. Uh, we can try it if you want. But um, no hearing equals no faith, and no faith equals not possible. And you can write that down. No hearing equals no faith. No faith equals not possible. You got to hear it. Seventeenth verse. Let's say fourteenth. Um, let's go on down to 17. So when then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. Now, like I said earlier, the word is going out more than people are hearing. I mean, look around the world we live in. The word's going out. It's going out a whole lot more than people's hearing. It's gone out a lot more than I've heard. The word's going out. The, the, the word going out is not the problem. It's the hearing problem. We've got to be persuaded. And that's what, this, that's what it's saying right here in the 18th verse. That's basically the last few scriptures what we're reading about. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yeah, they've heard. They're just not fully persuaded like we talked about last week. You've got to be fully persuaded. You've got to hear the word. Hear the word. I'm talking about the word can't go right over your head and out the back door. I mean, there is somebody out there in the foyer that he's hearing the word, but he can't be the only one. In other words, we can't just let it go right over your head, in one ear, out the other. You know, when your mom and dad tells you to clean your room, in one ear and out the other. But this word can't go in and out. It's got to go in and dig up some roots and stay in there. Amen. You've got to be fully persuaded that you are who he says you are, and he'll do what he says he'll do. You've got to be fully persuaded the same power that raised Christ Jesus was on the inside of you. And you might not always feel it. You th- I didn't feel it this morning. Let me tell you, when I do feel it, it's easy to preach. When I do feel it, it's easy to go in the hospital room, lay hands on somebody and pray for them. It's easy. But when you don't feel it, that's when it takes more faith. If you want to get down to it, it takes way more faith to go into a hospital room, lay hands on somebody when you don't feel a thing. And to walk right up here and open up your Bible and start preaching to somebody when you don't feel it, don't feel it. See, if I went by feelings, I'd stay at the house in the bed because that bed was feeling pretty good. It takes more faith when you don't feel it. So you can't go by feelings. We just got to go by what this word says, period. I'm not going by what I see. I'm not walking by sight, but I'm walking by faith. It might not look like it. It might not feel like it. It might not sound like it. But that's what this word says, and I'm fully persuaded. Do you feel something? Nope. Sometimes you lay hands on people, and you feel this little tingling. If you're... If you've ever took it, taken a spark plug out to see if it was firing and, and cranked it, kicked it, and you saw that little spark, it kind of feels like that coming off your fingertips. That's what it feels like. Easy to pray then. We know something's happening. Woo! 
But then, honey, you lay hands on something, you just feel like an old, cold, dead fish. Does that mean nothing's happening? Well, I know. Because this word says it. That's what you got to be convinced of. That's what you got to be fully persuaded. And then faith comes. And faith doesn't, like I said, come from attending a service. But uh, faith comes from hearing from the Lord. Amen. Um, you got to hear the word. you got to get into the word and find out what his will is, who he is, and what he says. So if you say, I'm just going to uh, believe, because uh, Mark 11, 23, 22, 23, 24 says, hey, if you just... I believe and then you just speak it, it'll happen and these things will come to pass. I'm just going to start speaking. I'm just going to start confessing. But there's no faith behind it. I can tell you nothing's going to happen. Because if you just start confessing right now that Pastor Red's going to come over to my house, he's going to cut my grass all summer, and he's going to do my laundry and wash all my clothes, take care of all that, well, let me go ahead and tell you, grass is going to get high and the laundry's going to get piled up. Because I ain't going to do it. I only cut my own grass. I sure ain't going to cut yours. You can confess it all you want. I'm not going to do it. Now, if you heard her sick or something, I'll come cut it. But just because you're confessing it, you know why? Because you hadn't heard that from me. Now, if I tell you I'm going to do it, I'll do it. If I tell you I'm going to pay your power bill, I'll pay your power bill. But if you just confess, he's going to pay my power bill. I'm not even going to mail this thing in this month. Well, probably going to get dark. Well, you can't pray like that. You've got to find out what His will is. You've got to find out what His Word says. If He says He'll pay your power bill, He will. And He did. Because He said, I'll provide all your needs. I'm, I'm your provision. Based off what? His riches and glory. That He's your provider. Amen? And the same thing goes on with healing and so on and so forth. And... Uh, we're going, we're, going, we're going to close up right here. Um, like I said, we just want to stay in it for a while. We're going to get into some scripture. and um, Where do I want to go? I think I want to go to 2 Corinthians. Going the wrong way. Here we are, 2 Corinthians. And um, let's go to chapter 4. Second Corinthians four four. Let's back on it. Let's just start in verse one. There we go. Therefore, since we have uh, this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Yeah, it's, it's not veiled. That means it's to those who are lost. To those who are lost. That's not you and that's not me. Amen. It says... Um, in the fourth verse, whose minds the God of this age has blinded and do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, uh, should shine on, shine on them. Let's just stop right there. Let's go back to the fourth. You still got to do it. Whose minds the God of this age. Now, you got to get a hold of this. Everything that happens, God did it. He's going to do what He wants. If He's going to do what He wants, anyway, why are we even praying? He's not going to do what He wants. And everything that happens on his, this earth is not His will. You've got to get that settled. And if you've got any thoughts in your mind that you think that, and you've thought that in the past, you've got to get it out. Because right there, whose mind's the God? See that little G right there? That's not the God that you and I serve. That's the God of this age, the God of this world. We're talking about Satan because he's the little G. He is the God of this world. And He has blinded them. He's blinded them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So everything that happens on this world, we give uh, God the credit for the work of Satan all the time. I've seen it so many times when I go to funerals. Well, God took them. He did not take them. They had a case of beer and they was going down a curvy road and they ran off and hit a pine tree. God doesn't need any of those things if He gets ready to take you. 
That's the work of the enemy. I know somebody was drunk in the woods, rolled a jeep down the hill, killed him dead, and everybody on the scene said, you just never know what God's going to do, and you never know when He's going to take you. Lies. You're giving, that's blaspheming. That's the work of the devil, and you're giving God the credit for it. Never know when God's going to kill you. Never know when He's just going to get you to go in there and buy that case of beer and get tanked up and go down the road and wreck. Just never know. I mean, it's so, it's, it's so simple, you'd have to try real hard to miss it. You know, life's not fair. Oh, this life just ain't fair. No, of course it's not. Look around, it's not fair at all. We live in a fallen world where the God of this age has blinded people. There's a God in this world. He wants to kill you. He wants to, he wants to destroy you. He wants to steal from you. The Word of God tells us that. That's what He's here to do. Now, uh, what about this little saying right here? Hey, buddy, how you doing? How's the world treating you? Ah, it's treating me pretty good. No, it's not. The world's not treated you good. It's never treated you good. It's never going to treat you good. This world's a lie. Satan carried Jesus out there and he said, see all those kingdoms out there? That's, that's the world. I'll, I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship me. It's a lie. This world has never treated you good. And if you're waiting on the world to treat you good, you're going to be waiting for a mighty long time. This world's not going to treat you good because it's real simple. God's good. God's fair. But He's not running this world and everything good comes from the Lord. Everything fair comes from the Lord and everything contradictory to that is coming from Satan and this society is permeated with straight up just pure ignorance. If God was real, why would He let those things happen to those little kids? The minds of the God of this age... He's out to steal. He's out to kill. He's out to destroy. If there's killings and if there's stealings and if there's things being destroyed, if why did God let the tornado come through and kill everybody? If there's killings and the stealings and things being destroyed, guess what? It comes from the thief. Because the thief is out to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and more uh, give us life and give us life more abundantly. Amen. Don't give God the credit for the work of Satan. And like I say, this is so simple that a two-year-old ought to get it, but yet us grown men and grown women, we miss it all the time, don't we? Don't we? That's, 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 that's man's theology about it being God's will and everything happens and, you know, God just does what He wants. There's a group called God Smack, and they say the name of their group's God Smack because they think God's up there just smacking people around. It's this thing called free will. God has never sent one person to hell ever. But a lot of people have chose to go there. Why? Because He gives you a free will, a free will, choosing to believe what you want. He doesn't make you do it. These blind men, and we'll close right here, these blind men, you notice Jesus didn't say, when they said, uh, they wanted him to lay hands and pray for him. You notice Jesus didn't say, well, you just never know God's timing on the situation. Maybe not your time to be healed. May, did he say, it may not be God's will for you to be healed. Oh, now, I can't just lay hands on anybody. I got to check and see if it's God's will. He never said that once. It's not recorded one time ever if it's God's will for them to be healed. He always says He is willing. Where's your faith? All things are possible for him who believes. He never said not in this lifetime. I know a young lady that's in a wheelchair. Somebody had a vision of her getting up out of that wheelchair. Anyway, she had started attending a church that told her that it just wasn't God's will for her to be healed. That she'll be healed, but not in this lifetime. And she's bought into that. And she believes that God put her in that wheelchair. And the reason God put her in that wheelchair is so she could minister to other people in wheelchairs. Straight lie. That's not God's will for her to be in that wheelchair. You know what will minister to people in a wheelchair? Hey, I used to be in a wheelchair. Now I'm not anymore because I got a hold of something 
You can get a hold of it yourself. That's God's will. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the young lady's in the wheelchair. Now she goes on mission trips and she ministers to people and shares Jesus with them. But she has bought in and she's persuaded that God's put her in the wheelchair and that's God's will. And it's just a lie. It's, it's giving the work of Satan uh, over attributing to, to, to God. It's a lie. So what we're working on here is getting out any doubt and any unbelief and any little... Just covering every little nook and cranny of maybe what you've heard or what you thought or how you believe. We want to find out what God's will is for our life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 